Before we start this week's brand new episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I would very quickly like to say that because of listeners like you, yes, you, listening right now, Let's Talk About Chef is now available not only on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, but also Google Play, Spotify, the Alexa in your house, and pretty much every other podcast host that you can think of. As the team and I work hard every single week to put this show together, so many of you are telling your friends about the show, and there is nothing more satisfying for us than being able to watch our listeners growing in countries around the world. Right now, I'm recording Let's Talk About Chef in Ontario, Canada. But this episode will be listened to in Madagascar, Italy, South Africa, Japan, Hawaii, and for some reason, New Orleans, Louisiana, and Phoenix, Arizona are where we're listened to the most. Cooks around the world are listening and writing into the show, and we are nothing but completely grateful. If you want your restaurant shout out on the show, you can write to us for that or any other reason to let's talk about chef at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. A quick heads up about this episode, it does deal with material that some may find upsetting. If you have kids in the car or don't want to hear about the death penalty, you can turn us off now. You have been warned. That's enough from me. Let's get right into this week's episode of 86th History. We have all been asked the question, we have all thought about it anyways, that one simple offhanded question that so many of us throw around once in a while. When we're out to dinner, over drinks, or just sitting in traffic, at some point, the question, what would your last meal be, comes up. The concept, of course, is quite simple. If you had the choice and you knew you were about to die, what would the last thing, the very last thing that you will ever eat as a human being be? For most, it's something from childhood. A memory of a happier time. Something that reminds you of home. For others, maybe, it's the food you ate when you went to your first concert, your first date, your wedding meal. This is one of the things that I love most about food. Food has the ability to remind us of memories. And as crazy as it is to say, the movie Ratatouille pretty much nailed it. When the critic eats the ratatouille made for him by Remy the Rat and he flashes back to being a child standing in his kitchen, that is the power of food. Being a chef, I get asked this question a lot and I don't really have a good answer. Cooks are asked all of the time what our last meal would be and I honestly think that it is a very personal and romantic thing. But for me, it wouldn't be the foie gras that I ate in Paris when I was 18 the margarita pizza that I ate in Pompeii, Italy that made me want to be a chef, or the pig's head terrine sandwich that David Chang served to me and my wife at Sambar in Manhattan. I quite literally think about that sandwich all of the time. But for me, it would probably be the score chocolate bar cake that my mother made for special occasions growing up, my dad's turkey stuffing, or the mac and cheese casserole that my grandma never told me how she made it. Those two things stand out in my memory as pivotal food moments from my childhood. Those two dishes, as simple as they were, speak to me of a time that I can never go back to, but I and you don't have to think about things like that. That question, 
of what do you think your death row meal would be are, is a fun and interesting way to start a conversation. But for the 3,125 prisoners that are currently on death row in the United States alone, that question holds a lot more weight. That simple, unassuming question is something that I am sure a lot of people right now staring at a cement ceiling are trying to figure out. Before you get executed for the crimes that you have committed, what do you want to eat? What will be the last free choice that you get to make? What reminds you of being human? Eventually, their time will run out. The clock will inch closer day by day until that one final day when the cell door will open and a tray will appear carrying the food that was requested to remind these men and women, despite how horrendous and awful their crimes may be, of a better time. The last meal that they will ever eat. The last thing that these people get to remind themselves of their lives is food. This week on Let's Talk About Chef 86 History, we dive into the history, story, and the final meals of the dead men walking. I'm a goner, yes siree, they'll be coming after me. The concept of capital punishment is not a new one. We've all seen pictures of the gallows in the Old West, the guillotine in French public squares, and probably you've seen the movie The Green Mile and the horrendous electric chair. Putting people to death for crimes they have committed is as old as humanity, with some form of a final meal ritual being performed by the Greeks, Romans, and even the Aztecs. Whether you were being executed, a human sacrifice, or you were just on your deathbed, Feeding somebody before they died was a way to comfort them, and it's thousands of years old. In early America, the colonial wardens would have a feast with their soon-to-be-executed prisoners as a way of reconciliation from God. The idea of killing someone who was a child of God was seen as an act of defiance against God, and so both the warden for offering the meal and the prisoner for accepting it would be doing it to not piss off the Lord. Superstitious Christians in the Middle Ages believed that if you executed someone with an empty stomach that they would come back as vengeful ghosts and haunt you and your family. They would really haunt you if the final meal was of poor quality, and so executioners that were already terrified of the ramifications that the job they held might have for them in the afterlife started to make and prepare the finest food that they could have so that they could sleep soundly at night knowing that spirits weren't out to get them. After superstition started to be replaced by Christianity, the idea of offering a last supper, just like Jesus had, was the reason that the prison wardens and executioners would give a final meal to their prisoners, even though in a few hours' time they would be pulling a handle and leaving these men and women swinging from a pole, Jesus wanted them fed. And so the ritual of offering a meal to the prisoner's choice became the new normal. The last meal signified forgiveness of sin, 
and also gratitude to the Lord for salvation of the condemned through blood sacrifice of execution. Essentially, if you get killed for your crimes, despite what they are, and you go peacefully, you get to go to heaven. Like most things in life, the United States eventually became the place where something gets perfected, mastered, rock and roll, the blues, space travel, and also the act of killing other human beings. Death Row. The harsh yet completely transparent title is given to an area in a prison that houses the prisoners who have been found guilty by a jury and sentenced to not just life in prison without parole, but death. It is the harshest penalty that can be given to anyone. When you are on death row, you are basically waiting to die. And it may take years, even decades, with appeals and more trials you have to attend before the justice system finally decides to execute you. In America, the final day that you are on this earth, only one person can stop the proceedings, and that is the President of the United States. Needless to say, that doesn't happen very often. As is the custom, two weeks before your execution, a guard will ask you what you want your last meal to be, and this is where I cannot fathom how difficult a decision this must be for somebody. How do you decide? How do you figure out what you want to eat? The last meal in America wasn't started until 1924 in Texas. Shortly after, throughout the decades, newspapers would often feature what the prisoner requested to eat when they were writing their execution articles. At first, meals were simple, often food that was easily available and usually consisted of alcohol of some kind and tobacco, two things that are very hard to come by in prison. As time passed, prisoners started to request more and more lavish things. Food that they maybe had never had a chance to try before, something exotic, but also a lot of fast food. Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber and the man who committed the single deadliest attack of terrorism in America up until September 11th, requested two pints of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Stephen Michael Woods Jr. was convicted in 2004 of killing his drug dealer and his drug dealer's wife. His last meal consisted of two pounds of bacon, a large four-meat pizza, four fried chicken breasts, two cans of Mountain Dew, Pepsi, root beer, and sweet tea, two pints of ice cream, five chicken fried steaks, fries, and also a dozen garlic breadsticks with marinara sauce on the side to dip it in. The psychotic clown John Wayne Gacy had 12 fried shrimp, a bucket of original KFC, French fries, and a pint of fresh strawberries. Ricky Ray Rector was put to death in Arkansas by lethal injection for the murder of two people. He had steak, fried chicken, cherry Kool-Aid, and a slice of pecan pie. He ate all of it except the pie, leaving it on the side of his plate and telling the guards that he was saving it for later. Ted Bundy was given a steak cooked medium rare, eggs over easy, hash browns, toast with butter and jam, milk and orange juice. At the age of 28, Victor Harry Fuger requested one single black olive with the pit still in it on a plate with a knife and fork. He ate the olive and put the pit inside his breast pocket asking to be buried with it. Nobody knows why. And finally, 
The last execution that ever took place in the state of New York was that of murderer Henry Flakes in 1960. At that time, prisoners could order both an elaborate lunch and dinner. And so for lunch, Henry had barbecue chicken with dipping sauce, french fries, salad, bread rolls with butter, strawberry shortcake, and whipped cream, four packs of camel cigarettes, and coffee with milk and sugar. For dinner, he had lobster, a green salad, bread rolls, ice cream, a chocolate bar, a bunch of candy, four cigars, and two glasses of Coca-Cola. He finished eating at 9 p.m. and was electrocuted at midnight. This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music that you love. Discover tens of millions of songs and thousands of curated playlists at stations all across your devices just by asking your Alexa. With Amazon Music, find your favorite songs without ads or interruptions. For a free 30-day trial, go to amazonmusic.com and see what you've been missing. Alcohol is not allowed in prisons. And in the 1920s during Prohibition, it really wasn't allowed in prisons. However, up until recently, prisoners have been offered a drink to calm their nerves. In Sing Sing prison, it was common to give whiskey to a man before he was sent to the gas chamber. Rum used to be passed to prisoners about to be hanged. And in 1925, Patrick Murphy was about to be executed in California for murder. He pleaded with the warden, Lewis Laws, for one final drink. And so the warden, despite it being against state and federal law, managed to get his hands on a small bottle of bourbon and delivered it to Patrick's cell. Lewis was against the idea of capital punishment. He was disgusted by the thought that the man standing in front of him was about to be killed, and he stood there white as a ghost. Patrick the prisoner and the condemned took the bottle, took one look at Laws, handed the bottle back to the warden, and said, Thanks, but you look like you need this more than I do and then he headed out of his cell to the sound of a guard calling out dead man walking. Not all prisoners decide to have a last meal. A lot of them refuse to take part in the ritual, one final act of defiance against the government. But one man in 2011 is solely responsible for the stopping of all last meal rituals in the state of Texas, a state that executes more people than any other. Lawrence Russell Brewer was a white supremacist who ordered for his final meal a triple meat bacon cheeseburger, a meat lover's pizza, a large bowl of fried okra with ketchup, a pound of barbecue ribs, half a loaf of bread, peanut butter fudge, ice cream, and two chicken fried steaks. At 4 p.m. when the food arrived at his cell, he refused to eat any of it. A final act of power in his eyes, not eating the expensive meal that he had asked for. 
Senator John Whitmore heard about the act of defiance and wrote a letter to the Texas prison board saying that if the practice of offering elaborate meals to prisoners didn't stop, he was going to sue them. In his letter, he stated that enough was enough. And I quote, It is extremely inappropriate to give a person sentenced to death such a privilege. It's a privilege which the perpetrator did not provide to their victim. End quote. And with that one sentence, all last meal rituals were banned in Texas, with many more states following their lead. Despite the moral compass that Senator John Whitmore may be operating under, and he does have a point, it doesn't really come down to the idea of prisoners not being rewarded with a final meal before they die. Like all things, it comes down to money. The American prison system is by a large margin privatized. Basically, that means prisons are businesses. They make a lot of money by the companies that run them, charging the government to house, clothe, watch, and also feed the prisoners inside. The elaborate meals that kept being requested by prisoners cost a lot of money, and when they weren't eaten, it was a waste of money. Lawrence Brewer was the final straw. What started as a tradition with deeply held religious morals stopped for America's other religion, greenbacks. In 2013, there was a study composed at Cornell University about the significance of the last meal choices. They found that those individuals who claimed that they were innocent usually refused to eat. Those who had already admitted guilt usually always order food. And they order more junk food, with KFC and Burger King Whoppers being the most usually ordered items in America. Fried chicken and watermelon are right behind them in popularity. Innocent people don't eat before they die. Guilty ones do. The study, to my great happiness, also found out the truth that I was trying to find. How much weight did the idea of the last meal actually have on prisoners? And the truth is, a lot. Death row inmates start talking about their last meals years in advance of the final day. It's really the only thing they have to look forward to. So they spend years and years going through memories in their heads trying to figure out what food is the most important to them. What they order is sometimes used as a political statement. Sometimes it's for religious reasons. Sometimes it's to try food that they could never have afforded but always wanted to eat. These men and women stand around in common areas, trapped, stuck, time ticking by, and although I'm sure that they talk about sports, crime, the weather, which guard is a dick, and everything else you can imagine, most of the time they are talking and thinking about food, and the last thing they will ever get to eat. Food is a powerful thing. It can remind us of how we lived. It can inspire us to change the way we live. I personally have access every single day of my life to some of the world's best ingredients. Right now, I could eat oysters, foie gras, steak. The best produce I have ever seen in my life is coming through the door of the kitchen every single day. And still for me, all I want, all I would want, is my grandma's mac and cheese casserole, a recipe that she conveniently took to her grave and told me that she would never tell me how to make it on her deathbed. That is a true story. Food is the great unifier. It's what we do when we celebrate. It's what we do to bring people together. If you had no time left, if you knew that your final day was coming, what would you decide to eat alone by yourself? What would it be? 
It's a hard decision to make, but you might as well figure that out now and then do yourself a favor. Go eat it. You might not be here tomorrow. You have the opportunity to eat your last meal that you would want every single day. For thousands of people, they don't have that opportunity. A lot of people would say that's because they don't deserve that opportunity. And I would like to think that maybe, just once, politics, political correctness, and ethics could be left out of this. And we can all agree on one thing. Food is so much more than sustenance. It doesn't matter if it's a lobster, an orange, a hot dog, or a mac and cheese recipe that is impossible to replicate because its secrets and recipe card are sealed in a coffin. But to give a dying human being the chance to eat something that makes them think that they are living just for one brief minute, that is a wonderful thing. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written by me and produced by Timothy McDonald. The show is available now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Alexa, Google Play, and pretty much every other platform that you can listen to podcasts on. So if you can, please tell your friends about the show or rate and review us. It really does help spread the word. I want to give this week's shout out to Microbar in Reykjavik, Iceland. If you are a listener in Iceland or passing through that amazing country, please stop in and have a drink and say hello from us. And thanks to them for writing in. Music for today's program was provided by Amazon Music, and thanks so much to them for letting us talk about them. If you want your restaurant shouted on the show or to write to us for any reason, you can reach us at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at chefbrianclark. We are back next week with a brand new episode of Let's Talk About Chef. And as always, until next week, have a great service and have a great week. I don't want to die